what a harlequin is? A harlequin's role is to serve. It's nothing without a master. Welcome to the DC Film Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and the small screens, and we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Scott. And I'm Tim, and we are the Squadcast. We're the what? <laughs> that was a little odd. Almost almost kind of felt like I was dating somebody new. <laughs> we're, what earth are we on? <laughs> uh, we have rebranded ourselves. Yes. Yes. This has actually been a long time coming. It has. This is, yeah. We've been talking. Talking about changing the name of the show for at least a couple of years now. Yeah, at least a couple of years. I mean, so let's go back and give a little history about this thing. When Scott and I first decided to start the show, we were going to do a show basically in anticipation of the upcoming Suicide Squad film. Yeah, that was 2015. (laughs) It's 2015. And we recorded the very first episode. It was called Our Lost Episode, which nobody's ever heard. For good reason. For good reason. That one is indeed lost. But our very first episode for the Suicide Squad cast, episode one, was a review of the Suicide Squad trailer. And so that was our very first episode. And then immediately after we published that, we pivoted over and said, we're going to cover it all. And so that's what we've been doing since, you know, episode one. So, and, and you know, so we've have been thinking about rebranding, getting a new name that more accurately reflects like what our show does and what our show is about. And so we felt like coming into 2020, you know, we're not quite there yet, but we thought this would be a great new time, new show art, if you paid attention, yeah. to as we as we move into our 2020 films, this would be the right time to, you know, change the name and, you know, mo- and move on from there. We'll also admit that the name has caused some concern over the years <laughs> and it'll just be nice not to have those concerns yeah. anymore well and and here's the other thing too like we you know as going into the show and and i would say you know we've we've been far more successful than we ever thought we were going to be so we've always been happy and grateful for all the you know all the support that we've gotten but let's be honest the the name of our show has always been limiting it has always been something if if somebody judges a book by the cover and they're going to look and say well i don't like the suicide squad so i'm not even going to give the show a listen like we have not had those people listen to our show. Now, who those people are, we don't know. But no. You know. But welcome to the DC Film Squadcast. Thank you for listening. Wait, and it also kind of fits more <laughs> with sort of the naming structure that we've done for every show yes. after hours <laughs> as we expanded the network. Yeah. So now we kind of fit with everyone else. Yeah. Well, I got to be honest. With you. I mean, the reason we stuck with the name is because we just always loved the name. We just felt like oh, it was a great name. It was a great name. Let's let's be clear. <laughs> it it. I mean, I tell people the name, they think it's awesome. Yes. I mean. I mean, it's it's always been our thing and you know and let's let's be clear we're going to be closeted suicide squad cast people <laughs> for the rest of our lives yeah you know it's it's just we're, we're gonna have to get used we had to change the script tonight yes we weren't sure how that was gonna go <laughs> <laughs> anyway so that's that's the big news so we are the dc film squad cast and it is time for us to get on basically moving on talking about some of our standard announcements absolutely because remember we are members of the squad cast media network notice how we've been changing that name for the past 
few weeks. Yes. You pay attention to that. <laughs> and that does include DC Comics Squadcast with Chris and Jordan. Fans Without Borders with Brent and Ray. Uh, DC TV Squadcast with Ray, which is going on a much-needed hiatus. It will return in January with the return of Crisis on Infinite Earths. And then, of course, Marvel Squadcast with Brent and Brock. Yeah, so we've got a whole slew of Squadcasts out there. Uh, so go give the network a listen. I think you'll enjoy the content we're putting out there. Also, uh, for all of you guys that are already doing it, I want to thank you for all the support that you give us and the rest of our network over on Patreon. Uh, if you'd like to help support, you can go to patreon.com slash squadcastmedia. And on there, we have all kinds of exclusive content that we put out as often as we can. I would say our two signature shows would be uh, Squadcast Movies, where we are going back and reviewing every single comic book film of all time. And then we have Fans Without Borders Plus. Which is Ray and me just talking about movies that came out that we want to talk about. That's yeah. basically <laughs> what the show is. You know, we used to be hashtag stuff that Brent won't watch, but then Brent got AMC A-list and started watching more movies. So kind of kind of killed our marketing there. Yeah, yeah. He just had to undercut you guys. Of course he did. At any rate, uh, so we've got Punisher publishing. I was supposed to have done it within the last two days, but I was real busy wrapping up the end of the year. Uh, so I will have that thing coming out within a couple days. Uh, so we'll have Sweet. The Punisher. And then I was thinking we'd try to get one more film in by the end of the year. I'll just have to see if we can get everyone together. But that would be Robocop 2. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. We thank you for your cooperation. <laughs> Very well played. So at any rate, uh, for those of you supporting, thank you so much. We appreciate all the support you give us. If you'd like to support, again, go to patreon.com slash squadcastmedia. All right. So you heard that new intro. You've seen the new photo. So what are we looking forward to right now, Tim? I would say Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. And of course, we're going to start off with a story that I have absolutely no context for because I have no idea who any of these people are. <laughs> well, okay. So the, the very first thing we're going to kind of talk about is uh, we're starting to get an idea of who some of the players will be on the soundtrack for the film. Now, if you kind of go back and remember Suicide Squad, the soundtrack there was it was actually a gigantic hit. It went platinum. It went was it platinum or gold? I know it was certified gold. This is back in 2016. It was certified gold. Okay, maybe I double check that. Yeah. Yeah. See. Well, it went on to score five different Grammy nominations that year, and so you know, and then not only that, I think it was the only soundtrack to go gold that year. So yeah, I mean, so it was that just was... a gigantic hit. Uh, and I, and I still love that soundtrack. I I, I pop that thing in all the time. Uh, so I I've really enjoyed that thing. So I you know, it looks like Warner Brothers is trying to maybe go along the lines again and just have another kind of soundtrack with some up and coming artists. So we're going to talk about some of the ones that we hear and that have indicated that they're going to be doing some kind of song for the Birds of Prey soundtrack. Uh, and I was right, by the way, it was certified platinum. Was it platinum? Okay. Um, yep. So the, the first one that we got an indication uh, that is going to be doing a song is Doja Cat. And she's an artist and she's been around for maybe about four years, five years, something like that. No idea. N- never heard of her. <laughs> Sorry. No, not my, not my tempo. <laughs> yeah. So Doja Cat had posted something over on her Instagram page and it was a picture of her holding Harley's, uh, what's the name of the bat called? I didn't, I don't remember the bat having a name. So. I think it's the the goodnight bat, I think is what it's called. Uh, she's holding Harley's bat and uh, she's uh, looks like she's filming some type of music video. In fact, she says it, she says shooting the Birds of Prey music video for my new song, Boss Bitch. Uh, so anyway, so she's uh, clearly indicating she's going to have uh, some type of song on this. We have another artist, Megan Thee Stallion, is going to be doing something as well. She posted some pictures 
pictures, it looks like she's holding some of the props from Birds of Prey. You actually see her holding Harley's mallet, and uh, it kind of reminiscent of the tunnel that we actually see in the trailer. That's exactly what I was thinking yeah. when I looked at this tweet. Yeah. So again, these things are uh, these things are going to be great because they, they're very colorful. It looks just wacky and crazy. It looks like it totally fits with everything we've seen with Kathy Ann's film. And then there's two other artists uh, that have been rumored. Uh, I don't know that we've gotten confirmation, but Halsey was one. Um, she's been rumored for quite a while to be doing a song for Birds of Prey. And then the the I think the British band Little Mix is another one that's been rumored. And Little Mix was a band that was, I think they actually came out of like that, uh, what's that um, Simon Cowell show, X Factor? Yes, X Factor, the British version. Yeah, the British yeah. version. So I think they were one of the winners on a show uh, maybe about seven or eight years ago. And so they've been around. They're, they're kind of like a, a, you would call them like a girl band. Well, like One Direction or that kind of thing? Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, they're very poppy. Okay. They're very poppy. But I mean, I think as their music's gotten a little older, it's gotten a little edgier. And so it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, if they in fact are going to be doing something for the soundtrack. So, so I think, um, you know, everything I've heard so far with these artists, I, they're, they're pretty edgy. I think, I think, uh, there's a good chance we make it some really cool songs out of this. You, whatever. I once again, no idea who any of these people are, <laughs> but you know, except for like Eminem, that was pretty much the case with the Suicide <laughs> Squad, the Suicide Squad album anyway. Well, you knew so 21 there. Pilots, right? Yes, I did know 21. Okay. Well, did I? No, I didn't know 21 Pilots. Oh, either. you didn't know them before that? Okay. No. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I knew Eminem. And of course, you know, who did the, who did the cover of Bohemian Rhapsody? Panic at the Disco. Okay, I knew them. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was going to say you had to have known them. Yeah. Anyone, any, anyone who was older, I knew. It was <laughs> it was, it, it was all the hip new artists that was just like, yeah, I am, I, I am, I'm the antithesis of hip yeah. and new. Okay. So anyway, so I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what that soundtrack is going to be. And then we started to get some comments from Kathy Yan and Christina Hodson from a Screen Rant article about the film. Kathy Yan went on to talk about how there's a duality in Harley between, you know, Harley Quinn and Harleen Quinzel. Uh, she kind of even referenced the blue and pink and the ponytails that kind of represent that duality. Uh, she says she's she's still that smart doctor. Her ability to armchair diagnose anyone is what Kathy Yan refers to as her superpower. She can be so easily manipulated because of her low self-esteem issues brought on by the Joker. And, you know, and they're really looking forward to explore the duality and do a deep dive into her psyche in the film. So that was some comments from Kathy Yan. And then Christina Hodson said that she'd always loved Harley. She thinks she's complicated and nuanced and interesting, intelligent, brings up the fact that once again that she's a psychiatrist, you know, silly and immature, sanity and madness, all this balanced stuff. So basically, you really get the sense that uh, that Christina is playing off of these the, the yin and yang in Harley's character. Yeah. And that's what she, that's what really appealed to her when writing the character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, um, this is kind of an interesting thing about Harley. I hadn't really considered so much about this thing going back to Kathy Ann's comments where she talked about how you know because of everything that kind of happened with Joker how you know she was really manipulated and he just kind of drove down her self-esteem and uh, and I wonder if that's going to be part of her journey then I mean I I guess inherently the title basically implies that but I wonder if we're going to see you know that journey really being played out throughout the film or if it's going to already have arrived you know shortly after the beginning of the film I feel like at least based on what we've seen in the trailer so far is that she deals with it and her ability to kind of build up the other characters is kind of a journey of her building herself up too. Kind of, kind of like the advice she gives that in the trailer is almost she's telling herself as much as she's telling the other women characters. Right. Okay. So, it, so it's going to be an interesting journey. I, I, I kind of wonder if like her hooking up with the other Birds of 
Prey characters if that's the thing that kind of like helps kind of draw her out and kind of give her that confidence. But we'll see. I mean, with Harley Quinn, you never know. Like, she's such a loose cannon. Absolutely. We then from comicbook.com got an interview with the producers Aaron Banach and K.K. Barrett, who went on to talk about the costume designs for the different characters. (laughs) I thought this was interesting. They're talking about Harley and, you know, we've seen the the caution tape streamer outfit that we've commented on. And they they described it as the idea of being caution tape, maybe a place to stay away from. And and maybe it's a way to caution the world against what she might do. And so we kind of took that idea of the caution tape and tried to repurpose it into a costume. And we always wanted to create something that felt like Harley made it herself. She's sort of a crafty person in the back room and she can make stuff herself, which is actually something I've seen done in the comics before. Yeah. So I, I, I liked hearing that part. So the shorts that she's painted and that jacket that she's put together herself, that's kind of, that's what we did it like that. It's fun and a little crazy like her. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. The, the caution tape was just like a perfect prop to use to really kind of uh, apply to her. So that's going to be pretty cool. They also went on to talk about Huntress and they, you know, they talked about how, you know, her character has always been all about function. And then, you know, she's someone that when she's on a mission, she doesn't want to be distracted by outside sources. And they said that, you know, she's always focused and it's all business with her. And she's just particularly focused with the job at hand. And so they wanted to create something functional for her. And they also described it as fashion forward and cool. So they created this tracksuit that they said that we're going to see many different tracksuits throughout the film for her. And I've already seen at least a couple in the trailer clips we've seen so far. Right. Yeah. And then the last thing I just want to say about this thing, they they did ask if we were ever going to see that, quote, familiar Huntress mask from the comics. And uh, the producer, Banak, said, well, we can't say. And so basically... You know, it's. I, I kind of feel like if if it was a definite no, they could have just said no. But but they're producers. Like they're going to give us anything definite <laughs> before the movie comes out. Yeah, maybe not. But that would be kind of cool. Like that's always the thing. Like are, you know, are we going to eventually see these things that are a lot more signature? And and that would be something because I've I've always liked the Huntress mask. I thought that's one of the. I think that's one of the best masks that I've seen applied to a female character. Well, moving on to Black Canary, they said that her character is going to be a big old homage to the seventies, which I could see that. You know, based on what we have seen so far. They said that they that they've got she's got this look that she created herself with armbands and things that she's kind of cut up and put together for a performance since you know she will be an actual singer in the movie. Uh, she was very inspired by seventies and the streetwear of the seventies. So they're going to talk about you know stilettos, sleek suits, bell bottoms, high waisted pants, and they're saying that that's kind of her canary vibe for the film. Yeah. They also touched on Renee Montoya, and they they kind of give a little insight into a little bit about what's going on with her in the film. And they said that she's not being listened to by her peers and her colleagues. Uh, and they said, well, you know, she's this uh, sexy, tough, uh, kind of like what every other female superhero is in the film. Uh, but they said that they see her as like an intuitive self-thinker t- as well. She's described as like a person that is constantly being shadowed and pushed off to the side. And then they say that, you know, she's really the only one that really knows the truth about something in this film. And it's really trying to expose that truth. Uh, she winds up having to take something out of the police station uh, from their lost and found. And this is the only thing left that she's able to find from the Gotham Police Department. So that's a, a small little plot element here. Okay. And then talking about Cassandra, they described her street savvy, cool in, in a tomboy sort of way that she knows the streets and they wanted to give her a mean little cute girl vibe, quote. And, and, and then they said that she has this jacket because she has lots of things she needs to stash in her jacket. Yeah. <laughs> and I like what the thing here is so they said that, you know, 
uh, she knows the streets, but she thinks she knows the streets, but maybe not as well as she should. So yeah, I like that. And then they talked about Sionis and saying that he has this he has this mentality that the world is his oyster as as far as what he can wear and what he's able to afford and what he does wear. So he wears white suits, you know, and you know he's they do call him the leader of the they call it the Black Mask Club. I'm, I'm like, do they mean Black Mask Club? I don't know. Yeah. That's a typo in the article. <laughs> and you know we're gonna see him in nighttime a lot. That will and he'll be wearing things that'll play off very nicely with the interior night lighting. So and I get this from the trailer so far, but they do describe him as a bit of a fashionista. Yeah. Which based on what we've seen, totally get that vibe. And Ewan McGregor is totally rocking that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, then finally they talk about Chris Messina's character Victor Zaz, and they said that of all the goons and all the people that surround Roman, kind of have a style about them, including Zaz, that makes them feel like a gang. But they're sort of like a very elevated, stylish gang. It's sort of as Roman would want to happen around him. <laughs> so I kind of like that. It goes along with uh, Roman Sionis about how, you know, it, it seems like he's all about fashion and appearance. And so even his goons that he wants around him, you know, he wants a certain look for them. Okay. That, that makes sense if you're a, you know, raging narcissist. <laughs> right. So we got uh, the cover of Total Film Magazine for, and I think this is the December issue, maybe it's a January issue, but it's the Birds of Prey cast. Yeah. And a really awesome cover. Total Film has had some really awesome DC films covers over the years. They really have. Now, I wonder if this is something from the set or if this was something that maybe, you know, Total Film had actually put together. Uh, usually the Total Film covers I've seen have been images that get used out, that, that end up getting used. Yeah. Elsewhere. You know, elsewhere. Yeah. So in this Total Film magazine article, uh, they go on to talk a little bit about uh, Harley Quinn's character. And Margot Robbie goes on to describe her character. She says, I think Harley borders on a villain and an antihero. Uh, in darker depictions, she could be playing for the darker side and be a more straight up villain. But in this film, she's kind of doing the right thing ultimately. But she's not a moral person. So I consider her more antihero. Uh, then Kathy Ann goes on to say, you know, talking about the film, the film is like, it's a really big sandbox to play in, talking about the world, you know, Harley's world. Uh, she says, I was given an opportunity to do something that was quite different and wasn't a sequel in any way. So I, I think this is one of the things, uh, obviously, that I th- attracts all these directors that they're not so incredibly beholden, you know, to, you know, what's happened prior. Yeah. And well, there was another part in the article where they talk about how it's not a sequel or a continuation, you know, they because I feel like this is where the idea of a loosely connected shared universe comes in. It's like, right. we're dealing with characters in a world that has been previously established, but that doesn't mean that this movie has to carry on the storyline from the previous movie. So I think when they talk about how it's not a sequel, it's not a continuation, what they just mean is, well, because we're telling a different story. Yes, a character or two, you know, show up in this movie that have been in another movie and it's it's breaking that mold of what people think a shared universe is because, you know, the other big example of it is the idea that you kind of have to watch every movie and there's a storyline that goes through every single movie that connect all the movies together. And this is more like, no, it, it's it's the sandbox. It's here's the world, and here's our story in this little corner of it. So uh, Margot Robbie went on to say, tonally, David's air world looks different to the Birds of Prey world, which will look different to the James Gunn Suicide Squad world. So there's not a direct connection, but like in the comics, it doesn't cancel out one or the other. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, so this is very similar to what we've been hearing about uh, James Gunn Suicide Suicide Squad, because uh, again, it's you know clearly it's using some shared characters, some of the same actors. Uh, some of the same characters 
show up uh, in his film. But, you know, when he talks about it not being a sequel, I mean, that's literally what he means. It, like, he's not continuing a storyline from the first film. He's kind of, right. And Birds of Prey is just kind of continuing Harley's journey right. from Suicide Squad. Or at least I would even argue, you know, the journey that was originally supposed to be depicted in Suicide Squad. But I digress. Right. <laughs> oh, so maybe someday we'll get that. Uh, so we got some things that made their way to the internet. I'm not entirely the source of this. I'm not sure what the source of this is, but there is some new pictures, so it, it, it must be from some kind of collateral out there somewhere. Uh, we get some bios for all the different characters. Here's Black Mask. Uh, he's, his special ability is described as high intelligence, and his signature weapons and props are masks, custom leather gloves, Black Mask pill case, and a family crest gold ring. I don't know if any of that stuff means anything. I don't know if yeah. it was a pill case and anything in the com- I mean, w- was the pill case anything in the comics that you know of? No. I don't know what Come that is. No. Uh, here's Harley's bio. Special abilities, a skilled gymnast, high intelligence, great hand-to-hand combatant, exceptional strength and agility, former psychiatrist. Her signature weapons and props, the mallet, taxidermy beaver, roller skates. Bernie! <laughs> but this last one, egg sandwich. <laughs> I have no idea what that okay, means. Okay, I, 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 need, I need context. <laughs> I need context. <laughs> I need definite context. Black Canary. It's confirmed here it is Dinah Lance. Okay, special abilities, Canary Cry, martial arts, singer, exceptional hand-to-hand combatant, signature weapon and props, Canary Cry, Harley's Bat, and a knife. So this is interesting. I remember when we first saw that little video tease about the team, we actually saw Harley. We didn't see her face at the time, but we see, we saw the costume actually holding that uh, good night bat. Mm-hmm. So apparently she, she must be taking control of the bat when Harley's got something else, like either the mallet or something else. I'm not right. sure. Um, so then we got Huntress, Helena Bertinelli, special abilities, highly trained athlete, skilled archer, martial arts, exceptional hand-to-hand combatant, weapons expert, signature weapons and props, crossbow with bolts, guns, knives, motorcycle. Sounds pretty typical. Yep. Uh, Renee Montoya, special abilities, highly trained police officer, martial arts, exceptional hand-to-hand combatant, expert detective, and her signature weapons and props, gun, police baton, and watch. I have no idea why. No idea. <laughs> no. And then uh, Cassandra here. Cassandra Kane, special abilities, highly skilled thief, skilled pickpocket, signature weapons and props, pink arm cast, and Roman's diamond. I'm kind of wondering if that's what they're going, if why they're after her. Yeah. Hmm. Seems like she must steal it from Roman. I guess so. Interesting. So, okay. Um, IMDB is stating that Birds of Prey has officially, well, official as much as IMDB is, uh, gotten an R rating for strong violence and language throughout and some sexual and drug material. Yep. I mean, does this shock anybody? They've been saying since day one that this movie is going to be rated R. Yeah. <laughs> well, and going back to some comments that Margot Robbie made, back from the set visit they did a little while, while back, comicbook.com just published some of the interview that they had here. Margot Robbie said, I did feel like I had to censor myself a lot, obviously to suit a PG rating. And she said a lot of the characters that exist in the DC world, to be honest, are quite dark. And a lot of them, Huntress, for example, have serious childhood trauma. They have serious mental illnesses, like Harley, whatever. She says, sometimes you just can't really go as deep as those things if you have to censor yourself. And I thought, wouldn't it be liberating if we didn't have to worry about that and really go for it? And then later, in the edit, kind of find where the tone of the movie lies. So I find that last comment a little interesting. Like, it seems like they're going, they're kind of going in hard, not really having any kind of boundaries on, you know, what they're going to have her do or say, but they kind of, it seems like they're reserving the right to kind of, uh, kind of self-edit themselves, you know, during, you know, the, the final editing of the film. Well, well, that's what happens. Yeah. So. That's what multiple takes are for. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, I, I'm going to diverge in question here. Have you watched any of the special features on Joker? No, because I haven't bought it yet. Remember? That's right. You don't have, okay, that's right. You don't have it. Okay. 
Okay. Right, because I'm waiting. I'm waiting for yeah, the, my, my yeah. 4K. My bad. My bad. I forgot. There's a wonderful little series of things that they. And this isn't a spoiler, but there's a wonderful series of uh, things that they do with Joaquin Phoenix. He, he tries out like 15, 20 different types of entrances onto the Franklin Murray show. Really? Oh yeah, and they, he shows them all, or like he shows a ton of them. Oh, <laughs> it's awesome. it's it's really fun. It's really fun. Okay, so you know you know we know the Batman is going to start filming sometime early next year. Uh, we're kind of at this time now where people start figuring out where some of the shooting locations are going to be. Uh, we know a lot of this is going to be shot over in Leavesden, over in the UK. But, you know, a lot of times they'll use um, some different locations outside. Well, we, we got an indication of what one of these locations might be. Uh, this is one of the locations called Cardington, which is a little bit ways north of London over in the UK. And so they put out a tweet saying, so this week I have discovered, number one, they're filming parts of Robert Pattinson's Batman film at Cardington. Number two, they are building a cathedral in Shed 1 for the movie. And number three, they're looking for about 500 extras to film there. Okay, the reason it's called Cardington is because that's an airfield. It's an airfield, yes. And so so basically they're using these things they call sheds. Well, we, I, at least in the United States, we'd call them hangars. There's these giant like hangars that they will actually park the planes in. Well, they've been using them recently to do all kinds of filming. And, and just in particular, we've had some DC films that you would know about. Uh, we had Batman Begins was filmed partially in one of these sheds. The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises, and Inception. So all these Christopher Nolan films were filmed in some of these sheds. Actually, I think I remember now watching some of the special features featuring these sheds. Yeah, so I mean, they're not they're not soundproof. They're not they're like these, you know, these very like uh, professional sound stages, but they're just these big areas that they can build these like massive sets inside. And uh, so they've been using these things uh, to do some of this. So it looks like they're building something in there. And then what was the tweet response that we got with some additional information? Uh, they were looking for people aged 18 to 70 from all backgrounds that uh, all wearing a black suit. So the idea is that they're going to be filming this huge funeral scene. Okay. Of course, I think people immediately start going, <laughs> the death of the Waynes! <laughs> I don't think we're seeing that again, but who knows? Who knows? It's it's like, it's so signature at this point in time, but I mean, you, you can, you can I can already hear all the complaints. <laughs> oh, it's already started. Oh, I'm sure. Like, I had out of, I saw out of context complaints. Like, I didn't know about this. Yeah. So once I saw this in the show notes, I was like, oh, that's what they were griping about. Okay, good to know. Yeah, we get to see the Waynes murdered again. Great. So, no, I, we have no idea what this is about. No. Not uh, and then Variety, m- moving to a different film that's also going to be coming out in 2021. Uh, Variety was talking to Idris Elba at the red carpet premiere of Cats. And, you know, they, <laughs> I love, I, I do love what Idris Elba did because, of course, they're, they're wanting to know who his character is. <laughs> right. And he says, oh, yeah, I could totally tell you who he is. He's, and then he just starts, lip, you know, moving his lips <laughs> in front of the camera. And when the interviewer asked him to repeat what he just said, he just responded with a, oh, well, and moved on. <laughs> That's great. Trolling at its finest. Yes. Uh, anything to distract from cats. What? You're going to get on that hate train, too? No, I have no idea. That I I know nothing about cats, but all I know is people have been hating on it, so I have no right. idea why. <laughs> I would I would make up my own mind on the film. Right. Well, I'm not interested only because I am familiar with the Broadway musical yeah. and have no interest in it whatsoever. <laughs> did, did you like the Broadway musical? No. Okay. Just none on that. 
that. Gotcha. No, no, right. So so it's one of those that's like, I'm not going to see the movie because I don't like the musical. Yeah. <laughs> it's really simple. Uh. Um, I love moving on to a little bit about about uh, Henry Cavill because I did start watching The Witcher today. I've watched like I've watched one full episode in like 20 minutes of the second episode. And I, and I love how we have to keep on bringing up the fact that you do realize that actors can do multiple projects in the same year if they need to. <laughs> yeah, they are capable. It, 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 it can be done. It is done quite often. Yeah. And I love Han- uh, Henry's quote here. He goes, you have to keep in mind that regardless of what movies I'll be doing over the next few years, you can fit two projects into one year. I mean, I could just hear him with his accents, you know, saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and they went on to ask if there's any hope about bringing Superman to life once more. Uh, he, he apparently referenced the Superman symbol, the S, and he says, you know, it stands for hope. Yeah, sounds about right. And then we got some more Justice League, Vero, Snyder Cut stuff that I'm going to be honest, I've been kind of out of it this week. <laughs> I, I got to drive to Memphis one day and drive back from Memphis the next day. So that was three and a half hours one night, three and a half hours the next night with two kids in the back yeah. of, a, of a van. Not fun. Not fun. Yeah. Not at all. So I, I have not been following all of the shenanigans that have, you know, transpired. I did see these pictures with Ezra that was just, I, th- I think there was a response that he was just helping out with a project that Ezra was doing. Yeah, that's all I took it as. I, I know a well, lot. No, of, I think he actually said he said that. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, I know a lot of people were kind of jumping on this because I think was it uh, was it earlier in the week or last week? No, it was uh, last week. He posted a picture of himself with Christina Wren. Yes, Ma- Major Ferris. Yeah, Major Ferris. Yes. He's an actress he's had in two or three films now. And people saw this picture with him and Ezra, and so people were, of course, jumping the gun. Like, no, 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 he's just keeping busy. It looks like some small little projects uh, because there was an actress that uh, was also part of something that he was filming uh, looked like something really small but and I don't know what her name is but it, it looks like it was just some small little project of some sort that he's doing in fact I, I'm not even sure if that's even is that by his house that is that that's I, not his new I, office is it that building that can't be I, that can't be no no I, that so but it because from other posts made basically this was just a Saturday afternoon yeah so now what was Snyder Cut related was this interesting painting uh, involving Percival Percival and the Holy Grail yeah. <laughs> with 214 written across it. Now this happened while I was in Memphis. So like people yeah. are referencing this thing and I'm just like, and people are posting clips from the Excalibur film and I'm just mm-hmm. like, what's going on? Because <laughs> once again, I, I wish they would create a post notification option on Vero. I know. Really dropping a ball with that app. So um, the biggest thing that I know that came out of this, because once again, I was busy dealing with my father-in-law retiring after 30 years of flying. That's where my attention was. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the 214 minutes is like the actual film. Like that doesn't even yeah. include the runtime with credits at the end. Right. He did specifically answer that question somewhere along the line. So I, I'm trying to interpret, you know, 214 is the Holy Grail or like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to understand the meaning, the Da Vinci Code like <laughs> deciphering that must happen. Yeah. Typical Snyder. I mean, there's there's probably some meaning in there somewhere, There's especially when it comes to something from Excalibur. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure what his purpose of posting it was that day, but right, that's the thing is like, and I know that our, uh, one of our loyal listeners, Joe, was DMing me, asking me, and I was like, I have no idea. I don't yeah. even know what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was getting the same. So Joe, I'm sorry, I can't help you out much. <laughs> I tried. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was getting some of the same things from some people, but and then 
was it the next day he posted thursday thursday yeah yeah. he posted what i believe to be just fan art of wonder woman decapitating steppenwolf and he tagged the photo as now you're understanding it and by the way scott are you going to correct him no because there's a reason for that i'm not (laughs) zach is dyslexic and i'm not gonna be a jerk okay (laughs) no no actually that's that's one uh i that's one i don't get wrong (laughs) but i see so many people get your and your wrong it is so common it is it's it's the same thing as like saying how do you you know have you ever heard the joke how do you comfort how do you comfort a grammar nerd you just say there 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 (laughs) i like that that's pretty good thank you yeah Mm -hmm. so the thing i didn't understand and i asked you guys about this thing i'm like what is going on why are people like jumping on patty jenkins and i couldn't figure it out and so a bunch of our loyal listeners have been able to you know kind of keep track of things you know they just said you know it's it's some of the usual suspects that are taking things way out of context and trying to fit everything into Zack Snyder dunking on somebody which let's remind you Zack Snyder that is not his character so I I don't know what did you think Scott did you have any thoughts on that once again it was another one of those things where like I didn't know what was going on until after it had happened you know I just felt like he was celebrating this really awesome fan art yeah that's that's all I took it as he found this fan art and I feel like you know because chopping off Steppenwolf's head was particularly um, gruesome and I I think his point was saying, yeah, that's kind of what I was going for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all I took it as as well. So yeah, I did, however, like his comment where he goes, uh, Wonder Woman, I stand for truth and love, but those who wish to destroy truth and love, I will strike down with a furious vengeance. <laughs> I wonder if that was an actual line from the film. I th- you know what? That is exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. So you and I were, you and I were simpatico. Yeah, so, so I don't know. But it also made me think of Pulp Fiction. <laughs> no, you, and someone else, someone else brought up that oh, Samuel Jackson scene. So you, <laughs> once again, we, we of, of a certain generation yes. kind of are all feeding <laughs> off of the same <laughs> references right now. That's immediately where we go. Oh, well. For the fire revenge. I love that scene in Pulp Fiction. Of course, then poor Omari's like, I haven't seen Pulp Fiction. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I loved, I did see that while I was in Memphis and I was like, I'm always like, I must admit, I have not seen Pulp Fiction or Rashomon. I just went, I'm, I, I'm done. I, uh, you know I what? I have nothing, I have nothing to say about this. <laughs> oh my gosh. With the change of our show name, Amari probably just saved himself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, oh. With the name change, I mean, surely we're not going to do the, the thing, the explosion at the end that we've done every single time. So Amari, you probably saved yourself. You probably, <laughs> yeah. You picked the great week to admit something like that. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, Scott, are you making anything out of these Warner Brothers UK posts? I, I'm not. Okay. I, I'm sorry, but they have suddenly stepped up. A, I mean, starting as soon as it's basically been since Black Suit Superman that there has been something like almost every week from this UK. Specifically, it, I, I'm not saying that it is something, but I do find it highly coincidental dental just i'm gonna say that because it just keeps on happening yeah there was the superman post there was the batman there was the batman poll that seemed to almost intentionally leave out ben affleck you know who puts george clooney on there (laughs) 
you know, I'm as I was as we were as we were discussing in our text messages today. If it, if there's not something intentional, there is somebody who's just really bad at their job right now. That's all I'm gonna say. I don't know. So I, I mean, I I took a look at their Twitter feed and and they've been talking about lots of films. So I don't know. I mean, they had Shazam in there. They had had Western stars. I mean, there's just a bunch of other things that they've been putting on there. So I don't know. I I don't make anything of it. But I I I, I do appreciate the enthusiasm. Everybody hoping <laughs> that this is a sign. Well, but once again, it's also just another opportunity to communicate interest. Right. You no, know, which has kind of been our rallying cry for the past several weeks. So, and just kind of a little welcome home, David. David Ayer is apparently working with Warner Brothers again, and he's going to write and direct a contemporized remake of The Dirty Dozen, hmm. which contemporary makes me feel like, okay, so are we doing Afghanistan? Are we doing right. Iran, uh, Iraq? You know, I'm like, which war are we putting this in? Yeah. Because I love The Dirty Dozen. It's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm actually pretty happy to see that Warner Brothers is working with him again because, I mean, you know, obviously he did not have a good experience with everything that happened with Suicide Squad and went over to, you know, kind of toy around with Netflix um, to light success, I would say. I mean, I don't, we both saw Bright. I mean, I don't think it was, I, I don't think it's the avenue he necessarily wants to go down. Like, he still wants to do films. So I'm, I'm taking this as, you know, this is going to be a feature film because it doesn't say anything in here about, like, anything streaming. So it sounds like this would, in fact, be a feature film. Okay. So uh, apparently it's being reported that Lucifer has been named the most popular streaming show of the year, which is kind of incredible. Which, <laughs> once again, incredible. between between that and his appearance in the in the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, it's like, okay, I do really need to go back and, and, re- <laughs> and pick up where I left off on Lucifer and finish it off on Netflix. Yeah. And you were telling me something cool about the upcoming Sandman series. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, you know, that's still going to be a go over at Netflix, but there was, like, some speculation that maybe, you know, Tom Ellis is going to actually reprise his role uh, in that show. Because, you know, Lucifer is going to be doing one more season on Netflix. Uh, season five is, is going to be, uh, I don't know when it's, if it's filming now, but it's, it's going to at least premiere in, in 2020. And Lucifer from Vertigo was originally a spinoff from Sandman anyway. Yeah. So that would be kind of cool because I really do enjoy Tom Ellis. Yeah. He is very <laughs> enjoyable. Yeah. And then also, like on Fat Man Beyond, uh, the one of the hosts, uh, Mark Bernadine, he went to social media to pitch Warner Brothers a miniseries teaming Lucifer with John Constantine. Uh, he's referring to Matt Ryan's John Constantine. Yes, because that scene, they had two minutes on screen and it was so worth it. <laughs> I'm trying to sign for the Earth. I yeah. know you haven't seen it yet, I but I'm telling it you, it was it was glorious. Yeah. Well, and he said that both uh, Matt Ryan and Lucifer's executive producer Joe Henderson were up for it. Yes, make it happen. So yeah, I think that would be that would be pretty cool. I think that would be a great way, especially with Netflix. I mean, they're they're you know they're going to take every bit of you know comic IP that they can get right now and and try to roll with it. And this would be a great way to try to continue that. All right, Tim. Well, I think that's it for this week's podcast. And we want to thank you guys for listening. Yes, absolutely. Been a ton of fun. I hope you enjoy the new name for our show. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. Please reach out to us. Let us let us know what you think. You can find us uh, still as of today at Suicide Squadcast on Twitter. You can find me at Alan Fire. You can find me at Scott DC Twenty Seven. And yes, so far the email address is still Suicide Squadcast at gmail.com. The rebranding is in a it's a process. It's a process. We're working on it. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. So please do not hesitate to reach out to us. You can find us on Vero Facebook. We have a website squadcastmedia.com. Go check it out. And then, of course, we want to thank all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash squadcastmedia. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, I want to thank all you guys for listening, and we would encourage you to go out and keep reading DC.
feel like Tim that we need to I feel like to we need to send I think we need to blow up the blow up. It's been it's been four years of faithful service, but now we don't have to worry about coming up with these stupid jokes at the end of every night. <laughs> no 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 no, Scott. We're gonna still keep doing it. Omari, you are not off the hook. <laughs> you thought you were gonna be off the hook because of revealing to us that you have not seen pulp fiction on the week that we decide that we are no longer the Suicide Squad cast. The assumption that we were gonna get rid of the blow up is wrong. 